0: Hey, it's Karen Hunter from the Karen Hunter Show on SiriusXM Urban View. Here is a highlight from today's show. All right, we are here. It is Wellness Wednesday. I uh, was so um, not just impressed because it was one thing to be impressed, but to 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 have somebody who understands the assignment, you know, as it relates to us. I was like, she got to come back. She got to come back frequently. All right. So if you are in a space of, you know, mental unrest and you're not feeling quite yourself, this is a good time to call up because we have a doctor in the house. She is a psychiatry resident uh, director, residency director. So she directs the whole psychiatry department at Howard University Medical School. Let me welcome the one and only Dr. Danielle Hairston is back. Oh, Hello.
1: thank you, thank you for having me back in
2: the
1: day Listen, see.
0: yes, yes. A doc named Danny is that is that what we're saying? Okay, that is it. That yes, is where the... you can follow her. A doc named Danny. Um, I was reading this interesting report um, on how melanemic folk uh, are dying from deaths of despair, which they they say is fueled by their disconnect of religion which is also the disconnect from community. And I was like, they have such nice phrases for the sicknesses that lead them to, you know, take their own lives or to, you know, uh, to drink themselves uh, to death. Death of despair. We don't get those kind of uh, nice terms
1: in our community. Is it time for us to start, start mm-hmm.
0: coining some, some things that we suffer from?
1: Um, Deaths of despair. That's an interesting term. I think that we we don't get those nice terms, period. Even if you happen to suffer from bipolar disorder or schizophrenia, it's not, oh, I'm understanding what's going on with you. It's, that's ca- a crazy person. Lock them up is usually the answer. Institutionalization, largest mental health care provider, jail. So it's it's nice to hear that someone has some there's some empathy for someone. We need some, we need some caring about. What about uh, racial trauma? What about deaths by racial trauma? Things like that. Right, but right, uh, Doctor
0: Joy DeGru, uh, Doctor Joy DeGru uh, has post Atlantic slave, tr- uh, tr- post Atlantic slave tr- syndrome, post slave so, tr- stress was
1: it? disorder,
0: something like that. You know, but yeah, so she's coined something that I can't yeah, now uh, pull from my head, but. Um, I was telling the folk at the start of the show that I'm reading The Coming by Dr. Daniel Black and uh, he was in Nubia on Monday. I heard you talking about that yesterday. My goodness, the, the, the way in which he somehow evoked everything that happened in the holes of those ships and made it so palpable and like you can smell, taste and feel every single moment of the trauma to be here in this body right now, what are some of the ways that we can work through our own healing? I, I, I recommend everyone go get therapy, you know, but are there some yes. practices, Dr. Danny, that we could all do on a daily basis to, to uh, help that along?
1: I think the first thing that we have to do as a people, as family, as friends, as supporters, is acknowledge what's going on and talk about it. I know that even in my own family, when I want to talk to my mother about something that might have happened in my childhood, you're being negative. We don't need to bring up the past. We don't need to talk about that. And I'm like, well, we do need to talk about it because something that happened back then is now impacting me in my current life and my relationships now and me trying to be a parent now. So I want to know, how we got here because the way we got here is not just from my mother but it's from her grandmother it's from her parents her her father so we have to first we have to acknowledge that this is going on that things are happening and that we need to discuss them i think that not even i think it's we've known that in order to survive to get through slavery you've had to you can't you can't be happy yeah you gotta be happy when they say you can't be sad you can't look like you're stressed you can't take a break in order to survive right but we have to grow as a people and as a community, and allow people to talk about what's going on. It, it cannot be a, se- it cannot be a secret. It cannot be something that we keep in the back rooms. It can't be, oh, we don't talk about that anymore. It needs to show up. It needs to show up in our shows, which you know, if you didn't know, I, I love been a good series but it needs to show up in our shows like that's why i appreciate everything from queen sugar to pea valley which is what i'm on right now catching up because it's talking about the trauma it's talking about what's happening in our communities and we haven't had our stories told we haven't had that visibility for so long
0: mm. i i was saying that you know um i don't spend a whole lot of time in the past you know it's like okay all of those things happen i'm here so let me be present in my body here so that I can do the things that need to be done for there, meaning a hundred years from now, fifty years from now, right? Is that healthy?
1: Yes, that is healthy in a way that's healthy. Um, I'm not, I don't subscribe to the um, Freud school of spend 10 years, 12 years, 15 years with your psychologist and your psychiatrist talking about everything that happened every, what do I remember from, no, I don't, I don't subscribe to that, <laughs> but it if too. it is something, right. yes, Um, I don't, that's not my style. I'm not a psychodynamic, but there are, shout out to the wonderful black psychodynamic trained um, psychiatrists and therapists that there are. I'm more of a Problem oriented, like this is what's happening. How do we get here, and how do we fix this? So, it is good to be in the moment. But, Professor Hunter, if something from your past is impacting you today, you you gotta address it. I didn't I didn't say you gotta live there and talk about it every five minutes or every time you go to therapy. But you do have to understand how it brought you to where you are.
0: Mm, I I totally agree with that. Now, here's the challenge. You just brought up mothers, the mothers. You know my mother, probably a lot of y'all's mothers were raised in a generation where you don't talk about, like you said, you don't talk about these things, trying to get them to talk, you know, because they have, we have been conditioned to bury the pain. We bury the pain. We don't talk about the pain. Like I know you don't been through something, which is why you behave the way you behave. <laughs> exactly.
1: Right. So
0: I, so I have a choice. Like I can't make you tell me, but I'm also not going to allow you to to mistreat me because you you know won't deal with that. Do you see see what I'm saying? So I have a mm. zero tolerance. I don't care who you are, to how you how I'm going to be treated. I'm going to be treated a certain kind of way. I don't care. Yes, whatever. So is that healthy <laughs> to have yeah. see, a zero I, tolerant behavior? I knew that.
1: Yeah. I already loved you before I was even here because yes, that is me too. Like boundaries. So okay, you don't want to talk about it that's fine, but this is what I'm going to do. I am going to go to therapy. I am going to set this time up. I'm not going to engage in anything else. This is my protected time. This is what I need to do for myself. And if you are able to talk about it at any time I'm here for you, but I have to set up this boundary, like I'm not going to, not that this happens in my house necessarily, but in some families, like I'm not going to engage in, we're not going to be cussing at kids in here. Like I'm not going to engage or allow for that to happen. I'm not going to allow for you to continue mistreatment that you felt um from generations and generations because you know there are all types of pediatricians and psychiatrists who have thoughts on uh spanking and beating children and things like that and what type of discipline there is but even if you're not gonna talk about it I am gonna do something to change it you cannot change you know some of these um I'm a child of older parents like my my brother is 17 years older than me so wow um yeah, my parents were older. My father was in the civil rights movement. He was like in a sit in in Raleigh, North Carolina. So these are some older parents, right? <laughs> but, um, but, some things I will say, well, my mother will say, well, you were raised that way. And I'm like, and my child won't be because we don't have to continue this thing. My big thing is ending generational trauma and ending generational trauma is multifaceted, right? It means a lot of things Well, stopping stuff that we're practicing, stopping things that we were saying, stopping things that we were accepting is the biggest thing for me. Mm.
0: Uh, Dr. Joy Degru is post-traumatic slave syndrome syndrome. Thank you, Smith. I said this today that some of us, uh, we have no due north. A lot of us, you know, we've been conditioned because we saw things that were wrong. We knew they were wrong. There's not anything we could do about it. 300, 400, 200 civil rights. We knew it was wrong, but we didn't have any power. So we had to sit in that wrongness of watching people do wrong things. And it, it made it difficult because now you're raising children. Things are wrong, but we've been so conditioned to, to ignore the wrong And just push through. But I said, some of us are sitting across the Thanksgiving table, across the, you know, at the family reunion with somebody that has created harm in the family, that uncle that maybe touched everybody. And we still, we don't say nothing. We don't talk about it, right? But the harm is there. And the fact is, we're now teaching the next generation to sit in that, right? How do we break that? Because there are a lot of people listening right now that have that experience across the Thanksgiving table, sitting across from somebody that has abused or harmed them. And the whole family is complicit.
1: I think that we know this, this has been happening. It happens across, across the field, across families. Um, Again, it's about the boundaries for what you will accept and what you will be remain silent about. So if someone is doing something, has done something, has perpetuated something in your family, it's time for you to say, I'm not going to come at this time when this person is here. I can't engage like for my own self-care, for my own peace of mind. I can't engage in that space. Like If y'all want to allow that to continue, that's fine. But for my own sanity, for me to have peace this holiday season or period, I'm going to have to remove myself from this situation. I was talking about that this morning, actually randomly removing yourself from a situation because you cannot change what other people are doing, but you can change your reaction. And that's something I have to work on myself. Talk about with my therapist on Monday because um, yeah, you can't change everyone, but you can change your reaction and you can change what you accept and you tolerate and what you show your children and your family, whoever that you're going to tolerate and what is accepted. Mm. Should you show
0: up and then tell, tell everything I like, that's my approach. I'm going to tell everything. Like, so I I don't even get invited because they know if I come, I'm telling, every, I'm not keeping nothing. I'm telling, I'm telling on you, I'm telling on you, I'm telling everything that I know I'm going to say it
1: out loud publicly. Yeah, and if you need that, sometimes that's the way to do it also. Um, People in my family say like, oh, here she comes because every time it's going to be some type of lecture, it's going to be some type of, actually, we don't say that anymore. No, we don't say committed suicide. We say death by suicide, suicidal thoughts, and they're like, okay, well, it's just it's just at the kitchen table. I'm like, I don't care. I want you all to work on this. And like, here we go with another <laughs> from her. And yes, it is gonna be a, another lesson from me every time. Because again, I don't want things to continue in our families and our friends in our communities.
0: Shh, mm. uh, there's uh, four agreements. And one of the agreements is to be impeccable with your word. Right. And as you're talking, I I, I think about that as as it relates to the N word that we so that's one, you know, for me right now, that's when I I feel like that that is if we can get that one thing collectively and agree to it, you're going, no, we cannot. We cannot. Dr. Danny, we're not going to be able. That's one thing that we we can't give that up. It's like oxtails and pig feet. Like what is (laughs) what is it like? What what is it
1: about that word that we, you know, feel a, a kinship to? I I do not know. I wish that we could get away from it. I'm with you. I want us to get away from it too, because I think that people don't understand the historical implication that this word has had. And if they truly understood, then they wouldn't want to use it. But now it's been embedded so much in our culture and people have so many excuses for it um, that they just I, they don't can't seem to let it go. And I come from a family with a very Southern grandmother and I heard her say the N word like, all the time um uh and she grew up in an environment where it was used by white people and she still would say that word talk about other people in the family like look at this n-word in here I'm like grandma please but my um my mother a dc native did not talk like that like she never used that word that word was never ever spoken from her um and I think it's It's cultural at this point and I wish that we could stop and I wish there could be a lesson on why we need to stop, but it's embedded in the music and then people say it even when I talk about, don't say that to me, like don't call me that, don't say that. Even with my friends who are doctors and um, professionals and lawyers, they're like, you know, it's just like a term of endearment. Can we have another term of endearment, please? But yeah, that's why they they don't want my lessons, but that's what I'm going to continue as well.
0: So we could party poop together. Uh, Dr. Danny's here. Uh, apparently we, we're the party poopers. Cause I, I can't seem to, and, we and have you have a party lesson. Uh, party lesson. <laughs> but you know, at some point you, you know, you, you're like, Oh, can I just let it go? And it's like, no. Cause when you know better, there's no excuse, right? Like you, you do know better. So you can't let it go. And letting it go feels like the, you know, the, the term silence is acquiescence. It feels like you're accepting it. And Yeah. I can't do it either. Uh, Dr. Danielle Harrison is here. Psychiatry residency director at Howard University. Um, I wanted to bring you on to, to, because I'm sitting here today trying to, you know, find a new doctor. My doctor's retiring and, uh, you know, and I'm, I'm not necessarily, it's not, my doctor doesn't have to be black, but my doctor has to care about my black body. Um, my dental hygienist just retired. I'm like, I must be getting old. Cause people retiring on me. Like, this is terrible. This is terrible. And I've been in this person for a d- decade now. I got, where am I going to get my teeth cleaned and I don't trust anybody. It's, you know, and, and these are things we have to think about that maybe melanemic people, they don't have to think about because I feel like no matter what, no matter what the complexion is of the doctor, they're always treated well, <laughs> we got to navigate and negotiate our own treatment it's exhausting on top of like needing to go get a physical it's like ah come on what's what advice do you have is there a directory that you use do you have a group of friends that you recommend? like how do we how do we negotiate our our good health our
1: good uh health care um well i i don't think that it's sad that they're retiring you know we want them to retire and get their own. But we also want to bring in, you know, the young side. We want to want to introduce you to some of the younger docs out there like me, but um yeah, it, it's tough and there are some there's some directories like Black Girl Therapy for therapists. I like that's a good one. Um we have I'm part of the Black Psychiatrists of America, and we have, and the APA Black Caucus, we have a directory that needs to be updated seriously, and that's probably one of the things I should have worked on before I exited that leadership position, but uh, I did help to bring it in. Uh, We have a Black Mental Health Alliance that has Black psychiatrists listed by state, where you can search them there, but people have talked about having a, um, having a directory and I I've, I've seen different people do it for their specialties like black OBGYNs and black psychiatrists but do we have an overall like just the I don't know the National Medical Association they might have one but we need definitely something more accessible something tangible like I can I know where to go and look for it there's a group called In Her Hue they have um physician black women physicians in different spaces, but we can't leave out the also the black man. Yeah. I, so we do yes. need something more. I think the students are great with that, like the Student National Medical Association (SNMA) for black medical students. We need to get, let me talk to my Howard students. We need to get some, some yeah. type of directory. <laughs> I'm, all right. I'm all. tasking you, Uh,
0: you know, folk in Nubia. We trying to figure that out because everybody's somewhere and to be able to know, like, you know, the green book for our, our parents' generation, they knew where to go when they were traveling, what restaurants, what, you know, where they could stop on the road uh, to not get, you know, harassed by police or lynched or whatever. Uh, but now that I feel like the medical field, it, it's wild out here. I was like, is this Dr. Maga? You know, like I did it, did they like Trump? Like I'm, I'm like, I had a doctor I, that exactly. I was like, oh, when Trump was elected, I was like, oh, I can't ever come to you again. Never. Like you, you Never. ever again, we will, we had to part company, you know, like for real, for real, like I'm, but it's for our own safety. Like, so we, we
1: really have to, and it's a shame that we have to be like this, but it is, I mean. The medical system is one of the most racist systems that there is. You know, well, this country has many racist systems, as we know, but medicine goes right in there. They're complicit. So medicine, education, housing, all of those things, um, I think that it's difficult to know. But if you do have that feeling, if you do get that inkling, you can switch. I would say you need to switch providers. And I, there was another day that I was listening to your show, and one of your callers said, um... Well, I had a Black doctor who was terrible, a Black doctor who was terrible, too, and they were treating me poorly also. And I appreciate that you said at that time, like, okay, well, there are terrible all types of doctors. But I think that a lot of times people have this standard that they have for, um, well, if I am going to give a chance to this Black doctor, they must um come correct but the same thing is when i see people dealing with black owned businesses like starbucks can mess up your order every single time they can mess up your name but one issue one one problem with the black owned business i'm never going there again and i'm writing a bad review well
0: we're we're conditioned to accept white mediocrity you know we're
2: yeah
0: we're we're conditioned right we're conditioned to accept poor treatment from white folk We're, we're conditioned like we accept that because it's something we're
1: familiar with
2: but but it not,
0: better not be a black person yeah
1: no it's, it cannot be a black business it took yeah. so, so long to ship my pack yeah. i mean you you have to think about what it took how did this black business get, get this funding most black owned businesses are raised, are run by just one person because you don't even have the resources out there um so i think you also have to consider that we are all educated in this system and then there's this hidden curriculum that even if you are black, shows you treat your black patients with a little less, like they aren't as important. And it's a shame that all, all, you know, all medical students can't go to Howard, all medical students can't go to Meharry, uh, and Morehouse or Drew, unfortunately. And you are a lot of times in these systems where you're not taught the value of understanding and appreciating someone's culture and their background and their history, right? So you will be in a system where they show you to offer this treatment to the white patient, but don't offer that treatment or that same treatment to the black patients. And it's something that we see across the board. We see it in psychiatry, we see it in cardiology, we we see it in OB. We always do always hear them talking about that with the maternal death rates. You see it in even podiatry, like who's more likely to have their feet amputated because you you aren't as likely to be offered alternatives to treatment or you, um, don't have the same amount of attention. So yes, this is something that we see even, I know I'm not teaching, but even with, yes, you are. um, with cardiologists, there's a study, um, that gave cardiologists, you know, they are super educated, super, um, knowledgeable cardiologists. They were given patient scenarios where they changed only, the gender and race of the patients. It's the same scenario, right? Someone who comes in and the next next thing they need is a cardiac catheterization. Every time they were less likely to give black women the treatment, a white man, a white woman, what's the next best step in treatment? Give them the cardiac catheterization. A black woman, even less than black men, you don't offer them the same treatment. And the only thing that changed in these clinical scenarios given to these top of the top highly educated top of their class cardiologist was changing the race and gender. We see that also in psychiatry about who's given higher doses of antipsychotics, who's put in restraints more often. So what do we do about that? Let's, let's have that conversation. Before we do,
0: I want to take Catherine in South Carolina. She's holding on. Welcome to the Karen Hunter show. You're on with Dr. Danielle Hairston. Hey. Hi. Hi, Karen. Hi, Dr.
3: Danny. How are you? Hey, good. How are you? Good. Um, I wanted to speak on um, generational curses. Uh, family, you were speaking about family members who are allowed to assault other family members and just um, be allowed to still interact with the family as if nothing ever happened. Um, I was, I was a victim of child molestation, growing up by a close family member of mine, and when it came back around again in my adulthood regarding a niece who had gone through the same thing by, through by another family member, I took the liberty of calling it in because I did not want my niece to have to worry about somebody not believing her. And it was the hardest thing because the family member is pretty close to me. Um, and I had to make that decision to make that call, even though everyone else is like, maybe that was the wrong way to handle it. But I don't know any other way to handle it because I feel like this young lady is going to probably be messed up for the rest of her life because of what she experienced. And because nobody was willing to to say anything or do anything about it, you know, who knows how this is going to impact her life going forward. So I just think that we need to be careful about um, not you know, telling people, you know, not believing the young people that say that things are happening to them because something may have happened. We don't need to know how what it was or where they were touched at, but we need to be champions for these young people and 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 do the work to to shun the older adults in our culture that are doing these egregious things and let them know that it's not right and stand um, by each other and support each other in that.
1: Well Thank you for sharing that. I am very proud of you for what you've done. Um, I'm sorry that that was the experience. And for those family members who said you should have approached it in a different way, what other way is there? So I commend you for taking that stance, knowing what you had gone through. That is an important part of taking action to end this generational trauma. Um, So I commend you for that. And, you know, if it wasn't what happened, if if it wasn't correct, at least you helped you stood in your truth and helped your niece or a family member to stand in her truth as well. We are um, psychiatrists, physicians period, teachers also are mandatory reporters. So anytime I think that something is not right with this situation that I'm seeing, whether it be uh, a child brought in and saying that this is their uncle or someone and I'm. this is not your uncle and you're suspicious of some sort of trafficking or even a child coming and telling me that well somebody was looking at me or someone was t- talking to me i'm a mandatory reporter right so anytime anything seems not right i call in and report it to child protective services or family department of family services depending on where you are and they'll investigate it but i have done my part right I could be wrong, but something seems suspicious about this. I might be young, but I'm not new to this. I grew to this. And when something seems wrong, then something is likely wrong. And that's what you have done. So I appreciate you, um, one, even being able to process your own trauma to say, I don't want someone else to go through this and making a decision that was against what your family members might have thought was the right step.
0: Mm. Eight, six, six, eight, zero, one, eight, two, five, five is great advice. Uh, Dawn in Cincinnati. You're on with Dr. Hairston. Hi.
4: Hi. 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 I just have to
0: say first, uh, Karen, you're
4: fabulous. So I've been listening to you for several years and I have learned and grown so much and I truly appreciate from you. I, I appreciate how you address mental, um, illness and mental challenges. And so with that being said, Danielle, um, My, and maybe I'll just say this and then maybe you can speak on it. I can hang up, but my husband and I, you know, have recently been going through a situation and, um, one of the ways that I agree that, you know, we will address it is if he were to, um, do some counseling. And so, um, on his search for finding a black counselor, a black male, it was so so challenging. We went to BetterHelp.com. I, there were a lot of sisters, but we couldn't find a black male. And so we did finally find someone, but I don't I don't know if that's something that you can like advocate for or make suggestions. It's really really hard to find um, a black male counselor therapist.
0: And and that was it. Okay. Uh, To her point, let's talk about that when we come back because uh, we also need to encourage brothers to go into the field. You know, uh, yes, it's sexy to be a doctor, but if we can't have the you know the psychiatrists and the psychologists, black men. Then you're, we're letting down the community too. This is okay to take that as a discipline because we need, this is a need, right? Dr. Danny is here. Dr. Danielle Hairston. Uh, She of course is the director of um, residency of psychiatry, um, psychiatry residency director at Howard university. There is a um, disturbing story, Dr. Danny about black boys in this country. Um, and their death by suicide rate up, I think it was like 25% or something, especially during a pandemic. There are a lot of people listening that are raising Black boys. What advice, what what can you tell them about this this rise, this disturbing rise in death by suicide?
1: So I think there's a lot. Um, It's a heavy topic. There's, first of all, Previously, were y'all even looking at Black boys? Were you already were you collecting any data on them? Did you actually care about Black boys and Black children? Period, and uh, look into their mental health. How many studies have you done previously? Uh, so I think the data might be impacted by that about what people research and who's researching it, researching it, who's studying it, and what groups they're studying and for what for what reasons. And I think we have to consider that as well. What was previously would you think this is a suicide? Would you think it's something else? There are all types of biases in place, but we still see the numbers. So it has to be approached. Your previous caller was asking about a black male, and um, hopefully, my partner doesn't kill me because I'm going to talk about that. Uh, and for my couples therapy, I purposely sought out a black male therapist. I purposely sought out a black male therapist. I have my own therapist who's a black woman who had locks, glasses, like, you know, she's, she looks like you. With her. Yeah, <laughs> yes. that's me right there. So, you know, and we even used to work in the same health system. So, you know, when I'm talking about this trauma, about this stress, about racism at work, she was not a Howard, everyone, but <laughs> what she understood. But I knew that I couldn't go to a couple therapists like that for him because he would just see me talking to him. And I don't think he would receive it in the same way. But now we have a um, New Yorker, because he's from Jersey, from York. We have a New Yorker, um, black male therapist who talks like him, like, you know, y'all like talks like that. He can receive the information. And I purposely sought that out. And the reason why he was even receptive to going to therapy after I have been asking him, because he's bringing the trauma from his family. I'm bringing my trauma from my family and growing up and the way we were raised very differently. Um, but ended up with now we're in together in this situation with the baby and how we're going to process this so that we can move forward is that his, uh, his cousin said, yo, I've been going to a therapist. And he's like, what? His cousin, a success, successful Black male, we all went to college together. He's like, I've been going to a therapist. Then his best friend said, oh yeah, he put me on and I started talking to a therapist. And another best friend said, oh, I'm talking to a therapist. And that allowed him, you gotta, you gotta have the cousin, the best friend, the best friend, your, your uncle, everybody. Then he, said, he was like, okay, I'll go. After some years of saying that this is something that we need to do. So I think- Again, we have to talk about it. Had his cousin not said that, had his cousin not referred the other best friend, they have a whole little Black men's friends group. Mm. Had they not talked about it and sought this out, I wouldn't even have, I wouldn't have been in therapy on Monday, right? Because he would have still been saying, we don't talk about that. That's, That's not for me. With our, of course, I'm a Black woman. We have all types of you know, support circles, vision board meetings and stuff like that. Black men don't have that same um, experience. So if you talk about it, if you are, I'm going to beg your listeners, my people, like, if you are seeking therapy, if it is working for you, if you are seeing a psychiatrist, if you are taking a medication, talk about it with people. Don't hide that. I have two different, I have different types of patients. I have a patient who um, I have my tele visits with them and they're like, get out. I'm talking to my psychiatrist, get out of my room, you know, who are like, that's what I'm doing. Back up. And then I have others who are saying, oh, I'm going to my appointment with my uh, nutritionist and don't want to say that I'm seeing a psychiatrist. I'm hoping that we can lead towards the first um, not necessarily that same energy, but whatever energy <laughs> you need to get and talk about it and say that I am seeking this help, it is working for me, or I am going to try it so that others will look at it. And I was, listening because I am obsessed with uh, Urban View, and I was listening to a Daniel Favors last week, and she had this, I forgot his name, but she had a Black therapist, part of the Minds emotion. Motion. He said it was an all-male Black therapy group. And I think
0: that was hood medicine. Was that hood medicine? Y'all in Nubia? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah it might've been. Yes, yes, yes. We'll find it. And LaVrie, I know she's listening because she just texted me. So we'll get that. It we'll was, that out it was yes.
1: literally a week ago. So okay. January 11th. Yes. All black male therapists. And I was like, wow. Like even I'm impressed. I'm not impressed by anything. I was impressed because all black male therapists, I, I've never seen that type of practice. And that's something that we need in our community. That's something that shouldn't, that's something that should be on the today show right now so that people can see that's something that yes. should be discussed on CNN. And thank you for Urban View for bringing it. But that's something like, that's amazing because we see, I think I saw that 3% of physicians are black males, 5% of physicians period, um, are black, um, Only 3% of those are Black males. And as far as psychiatry, we're one where Black women actually represent more than Black males in medicine. And I do appreciate that American Psychiatric Association, even though I have been uh, known to criticize them in the New York Times and wherever I can, because they need to do the work. um, Come on. They have done projects to bring Black males um, to support them coming to um, psychiatric conferences, to partner them with a psychiatrist, um, whether it be a Black psychiatrist or someone else in leadership, so they can see this is a specialty that you should be interested in and investing in, not just saying, oh, something's there's a leaky pipeline. I don't want to hear that. What are you doing to go back and bring them up here so that they can see that this is something they would like to do? Um, well, what else is I going to say? Oh, uh, psychology today, you know, when you look through and look for a psychiatrist or a I'm only looking for the black people. And then when I look at the black people, I'm looking like,, uh, do you talk about trauma? Do you talk about substance? You like, are you a person who gets into the real things? And as I said last time, um if you have the privilege of having insurance, make that insurance company do some work for you. Say, I have not been able to find a black psychologist, urologist, O b. But doctor, whoever it is, that's who I need to see. That's I need someone who has um, cultural appreciation and I need y'all to help me because that is something that you pay your money for insurance, every paycheck it comes out, even if you have Medicaid, the taxpayers pay this money and you need, they need to help you.
0: Amen. Amen. Uh, we did text me minds in motion therapy.org. See, 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 minds, yes, you were correct. We were minds in motion therapy.org. <laughs> we will tweet it out again. And you know, um, oh, let me get the callers cause we don't have that much time left. And Yvonne's been holding on in Georgia. She wants to ask you a question. Dr. Hairston, welcome to the Karen Hunter show. Hi Yvonne.
2: Hi, Karen. Great to hear your voice again. And Dr. Danny, uh, this is an amazing topic. I I am an older woman. I am 65. And and as one of the previous callers said, this topic on uh, ending generational trauma is exhausting. You know, I've been married for 37 years. You know, trying to have these conversations is hard. And when you have been chastised and outed and ostracized because you call people on this and you're in a family system that's so toxic, you know, and everybody knows the secret, but you until you become a victim of the secret, you know, and I I look at this and this is, you know, and I I, want to be hopeful. I really want to be hopeful and I want it to get better. And, you know, my parents are deceased and they couldn't talk about it. My siblings are here and they don't want to talk about it, you know, and I value this, and I understand the harm that this continues to do. And I see it every day. And I worked in a system for over 40 years. And every day I woke up, I was reminded I was black in some way. And that was trauma, you know, along with the work I was doing was trauma. So, so you know, I, I'm trying to figure out how do you penetrate a system that is so systemic in perpetuating this you know these beliefs, this ideology, this mindset. I mean, you know, and 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 being married and trying to help partners and and others understand this, it's, it's exhausting. It you know, okay. and, and people get tired of you saying stuff about it. Okay, Doctor Danny,
0: thank you, thank you, Yvonne.
1: Yes, thank you, Yvonne. I appreciate that, and I also can definitely emphasize with being in a place where, not right now, but I have worked in another hospital system where I was reminded that I was Black every single day, every minute. Um, And I hope one day we can talk about that, like the experience of being a Black physician or being a Black medical student and every day somebody is questioning you with these microaggressions or outright blatant racism that you have to deal with on top of doing all this work to become a physician. Um, so that was a lot of questions she had. Uh, how do we address the system? I have a whole class on that um, and a whole book. <laughs> um, how to address the system is first by calling it out and not accepting, not accepting things anymore, questioning. And it doesn't have to be in a rude way. A lot of times it can be just asking oh, why are we doing that? Or why didn't we give that person the same treatment that we offered that person? That's sometimes I'll just say like, oh, oh, before I leave, why um, why did you give that patient all that medication and try to knock them out? So I, now I can't even talk to them. Why, why did you do that? I mean, I have my home team here. So I just want to understand your thought process. But it's just sometimes asking these tough questions. And I think we have to understand that I also have a family that didn't want to talk about things. My father is also deceased and I didn't get to ask him. I didn't get to understand why he acted in certain ways, why he um, chose some toxic ways to cope with the trauma that he experienced. And I only get like little bits and pieces now. Uh, so we can't go back and address all those things for them. But when I see like my brother interacting with his kids and I, I have to say like, I I need you to step up. Like, this is the time that we you need to step up. I need you to give you a little bit more. I, if my dad didn't give you the same, I need you to just do a little bit more here for your mm. kids because these kids are going to be, I have all nephews, are going to be raising their own families in the future. And I need you to step up a little bit and change the way just because my dad might not have been there. I need you to be there in a different way mm. and just continue continue to call things out people might not like that people not might not be uh appreciative of that but sometimes it's just in the way you say it she says she's exhausted though so should she take a beat if she's tired oh she should definitely take a beat five beats ten as many as she needs
0: um and then come back in like she needs to put on her mask get her
1: oxygen and tap out until she's ready to come back in as as Audrey Lord said, like we got these, this this self care. It has to be. It's radical. It's it's a it's a part of your. It's a part of the warfare. You have to care for yourself, and you cannot. You you. I remember during the uh, surrounding George Floyd, like I could not stop watching CNN, and I'm like, I need to know what's happening right now. Like at this time, I gotta wake up at three. I need to see what's happening with Brianna Taylor and. It was consuming me, and um, I would do this interview. I'd talk to this person, like because I'm gonna make sure that y'all know the impact of this racial trauma that is having on my people. But then I started to have, um, be exhausted. I started not get the same amount of sleep. So I had to take a beat for myself and everyone. We all should take, as Audrey Lord told us, we should all prioritize our self care, which is really self preservation. Amen.
0: Uh, we have less than a minute for Black boys, people raising them. Uh With the trauma that they're experiencing that's causing them to um not wanna be here anymore, what advice you know, and you'll be back, you'll be back, Dr. Daddy. you'll be back, but you know where can we get people to start to look to get the healing for their for their young boys?
1: Listen to them, listen mm-hmm. to them, and but when I say listen to them, I also mean look at them and observe them. Not all children are going to say, this is something that's happening, but you know, when your child isn't acting the same way you, and and sometimes I'm fine. Get away from me. Okay. Let them have that, but don't let up. Like I just say, I am asking you this because I am concerned. And I want you to know that it's safe for you to talk to me about this so that we can address it. If you're fine, get away from you. Okay. But when you're not fine, I'm your parent. So I'm going to address this. And if they say something is going on, listen to them and address them, address it and get it, get them help. That help can be coming to the emergency room. You you know, I'm a psychiatrist who covers the emergency room. There are social workers. There are psychiatrists. There are residents who work in the emergency room who can tell you because that is an emergency, right? This is an emergency when someone is saying they have this trauma. All right. Well, when you come back, we're going to
0: dig into that and I want to know your journey being a black doctor in white spaces Dr. Danny, Dr. Danielle Hairston, she's all of the things, a doc named Danny, D-A-N-I is where you can follow her on Twitter I love you, you're amazing Hey this is Karen Hunter, you can listen to the Karen Hunter show live every Monday through Friday at 3pm east on SiriusXM Urban View channel 126 or anytime on the SiriusXM app